Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And I am your host, Doris Hansen. We're grateful that you're sharing part of your evening with us. And of course, we have our co-host again tonight. Uh, hi, Doris. How are you? Merle Erskine. Thank <laughs> yeah. you for coming, My as pleasure. always. And we have quite a oh uh, bang well, tonight. Well, we started <laughs> it last years. week, and we're going to finish this week. We're going to finish it off this week. We've got some great quotes for you. Um, there, as we last week we did the the show uh, part one of Brigham Young was he the Mormon Moses or the Mormon monster and we went through many uh, of his beliefs yeah, and yeah. quotes and we're going to do part two and finish it up tonight. You know there really must be a standard from which anyone can judge the claims of a prophet and God does tell us to watch out for false prophets but what good and what use would it be for uh, for him to warn us if we were unable to know the measure with which we would judge them as a true or a false prophet. But God did leave us a measurement, and we often use that measurement on our show to validate or to invalidate those who force people to live polygamy simply because someone who claimed to be a prophet said that God said to. Now last week uh, and this week, of course, we're investigating Brigham Young, his words and his teachings to determine the truth of his claims. Tonight's part two of Brigham Young, is he the Mormon Moses or the Mormon monster? And much of our material is taken from a book that was published in 1901 by Fleming H. Ravel Company and written by Edgar E. Folk, and the title of the book is The Mormon Monster. However, that refers to Mormon polygamy as being that monster, and of course it definitely is. However, since Brigham Young was pleased to marry 55 women, and he taught polygamy wasn't essential for eternal life, and he was also the author of the murderous blood atonement doctrine, could he be categorized as a Mormon monster? Last week we presented much historical evidence that his deeds and doctrine were monstrous. And tonight we're going to finish the task. <laughs> Last week, um, by the way, Don from Payson called. Yes. And uh, those who were watching last week will remember he's called because he took exception to our facts that we presented on the Mountain Meadows Massacre. We double-checked with various sources about what we said and all of them with references and with footnotes and we begged to differ with Don. First of all, we didn't say very much last week about the Mountain no. Meadows Massacre at no. all. And he didn't send his... And he never... We asked him to send an, e an yeah. email or yeah. a hit, at least his fe thesis, at yeah. least some facts we got wrong. And he didn't do it, and he didn't mention it on the phone last week. Um, we're putting up on the screen right now various places that our viewers can go to obtain accurate information that is available on the Mountain Meadows Massacre. You can go to utlm.org, wonderful information there. There's a book written by Will Bagley entitled Blood of the Prophets. There's a w book written by Juanita Brooks also called The Mountain Meadows Massacre. And then you can go to the website uh, 1857massacre.com and you'll 
you'll find on this uh, a lot of good information on that website as well. And they have all the footnotes, they have all the references that you can go to. By the way, on this 1857massacre.com is a wonderful quote that I found. And it's quoted by uh, Utah Governor Cumming about Brigham Young. He was appointed governor after Brigham Young is removed from being governor. And he said, quote, that Brigham Young was one of the damnedest rascals that ever went unhung, end <laughs> quote. So we can see that if he followed Brigham Young in office, that he found he out some not, things that you know. he knew Brigham Young was a rascal. We ended last week describing the Springville Parish murders, which took place under the leadership of Brigham Young, whose policy was to blood atone apostates, in other words, kill them. He, he had fingered the William Parrish family as, yeah. uh, because they were preparing to apostatize and move to California. So before they could get out of town, he had Mr. Parrish and his sons pegged to be killed. But only one son was shot uh, because of a bad aim. But the subsequent investigation was hampered because the Mormons involved in that just wouldn't tell on each other. And mm. it actually took court orders and everything else to finally get the information right. But we discover a vengeance in Brigham Young's attitude, a vengeance toward the United States as a nation and towards the citizens of the United States, a vengeance that he had no right to carry out or to incite others with. Nevertheless, this vengeance was repeated in the LDS temple rituals and in their blood oaths, some of them not removed until 1990. And here is a sample of what Brigham Young said. Yeah, this is from John D. Lee, Mormonism Unveiled. Brigham Young vows to revenge the murder of Joseph Smith and blames the entire United States. Brigham raised his hand and said, I swear by the eternal heavens that I have unsheathed my sword and I will never return it until the blood of the prophet Joseph and Hiram and those who were slain in Missouri is avenged. This whole nation is guilty of shedding their blood by ascending to the deed and holding its peace. Now said he, betray me, any of you who dare to do so. Furthermore, everyone who had passed through their endowments in the temple were placed under the most sacred obligations to avenge the blood of the prophet wherever an opportunity offered and to teach their children to do the same, thus making the entire Mormon people sworn and avowed enemies of the American nation. <laughs> I don't know if a lot of people realize that that uh, happened and why it was in the temple rituals. It, yeah. it was in there. Um, and we pointed out last week that Brigham Young was a false prophet. According to God's warnings, it only takes one false prophecy to prove a prophet is false. There are no exceptions and there are no excuses. We want to share two false prophecies of Brigham Young to prove our point. So this is the first one. Journal of Discourses, uh, number 11. Do you think that, the, that we shall ever be admitted as, as a state into the Union without denying the principle of polygamy? If we are not admitted until then, we shall never be admitted. Well, that was 1866, <laughs> yeah. and in 1890, the manifesto was issued relegating polygamy as a non-essential, and in 1896, Utah became a state, but only after shoving polygamy out the back door. Brigham Young was wrong. Now, referring to the blacks, he said this. Also in the Journal of Discourses, number 10, Ham will continue to be the servant of servants. As the Lord has decreed until the curse is removed, will the present struggle, the Civil War, free the slave? No. 
Well, the <laughs> <Oops>. Civil War <laughs> did bring about the freedom of the slaves, and Brigham Young was wrong again. He was a false prophet. God loves us, and so he warns us of dangers, and one of them is that false prophets will come and lead the people astray. Most false prophets are not easily detected. That's why they are so dangerous. However, it really can't be that difficult to peg Brigham Young. He <laughs> no. did, said a lot of stuff. Brigham Young and Joseph Smith laid the foundation and the Mormon of the Mormon and the polygamous religion. The LDS and the polygamous claim to be the only true church and that polygamy as an eternal doctrine and requirement and that is a shaky foundation at best. Well, it's interesting that both of them, or all of them, think they're the only true church. Yeah, I think they're all the only, <laughs> the true, only church. true church. That's yeah. correct. Not as a group. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight in part two, we're going to continue with Brigham Young's doctrine, his behavior, and preaching about polygamy. Brigham Young is the most active polygamist of the entire Mormon church. He had 55 plural wives. At least nine of those wives had living husbands. Seven of them were Joseph Smith's widowed plural wives, and 10 of his wives divorced him. I didn't know that. One of his wives was Zena Huntington Jacobs, whose husband, Henry Jacobs, was deeply in love with her. Yet Brigham Young told Zena's husband to get out of there, to go find a wife somewhere else, and then he sent him away on a mission to England. And Henry's heart was broken. Yet his wife, Zena, lived with Brigham as a plural wife for the rest of their lives, and Zena and Henry never got a divorce. Both Joseph Smith and Brigham Young had Zena as a plural wife, even though she was legally married to Henry Jacobs the full time that they both had her. Whatever happened to thou shalt not commit adultery? Brigham Young had approximately 56 children, and many times he didn't even recognize his own kids as being his own kids. On page 82 of his book, Brigham Young and His Wives, and that's this book, we quoted from it last week, and we have another quote from it this week, John J. Stewart writes this about Brigham Young. The great pioneer leader took eight wives in a single month, four of them on the same day. Brigham fathered only 56 children. <laughs> Eight wives in a single month. Can you imagine how busy he was? That's, that's pretty that, That's pretty an good. average of, of two a week, but he <laughs> married four of them on the same day. Now, that makes a woman feel real special, doesn't it? Doesn't yeah. that make a bride feel special? Was he a prophet or was he a monster? We mentioned last week that Brigham Young ruled the people with an iron fist. Nothing was to be done, no decisions were to be made without his prior knowledge and his approval or his disapproval, and that included others taking plural wives, and we quote. From Fanny Stenhouse, Exposé of Polygamy in Utah, Without the consent and approval of Brigham Young, no patriarchal marriage could be consummated. With his approval, that of the wife, the parents, and the girl herself can all be dispensed with. <laughs> it was up to Brigham Young. Yep, Brigham Young. He made the decisions on marriages, and it didn't matter what the bride, the fiancé, or the parents' wishes were. Brigham Young would invoke the name of God and then dictate yea or nay to a proposed marriage. This is precisely the practice of polygamy groups today. They are not called fundamentalists for an unknown reason. A couple of weeks ago, we quoted some terrifying early Mormon and current Mormon teachings about a woman's virtue. Here's a choice one from <laughs> Brigham Young. 
The woman is the glory of the man. What is the glory of the woman? It is her virginity until she gives it into the hands of the man that will be her Lord and master to all eternity. She, in many instances, trifles with her virtue and will be damned for doing so if it were not for more than five minutes. I understand that. <laughs> no, you can go for four minutes and then <laughs> you're all right. Is that how it goes? I guess. Can you imagine a prophet of God saying such nonsense? By the way, only Jesus is our Lord and Master here and for eternity. No husband can rightfully take that place to his wife. It's Jesus. Brigham Young preached sermons that failed to communicate God's mercy and grace. Let's compare what Jesus said about a woman's virtue, and we'll start with the prostitutes. Yes, in Matthew <laughs> 21, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. So, the way of righteousness that Jesus referred to is to receive his gift of Jesus' own personal perfections, which the prostitutes obviously were doing and did in repentance, and the self-righteous religious people refused to do it. Only Jesus can make us righteous, and that is by gifting us with his personal righteousness. Yeah, and from 2 Corinthians we read, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And that's Jesus. I didn't understand that. On the cross, yeah. he became sin for us, yeah. and so we give him our sin, and he gives us his righteousness, and that's the only way. That's the way it works. That's the only way it works. And remember, polygamists use the Bible to try to prove they should leave, live polygamy, so we also use the Bible to prove that no one is required to live polygamy. Another instance of God's mercy to a woman who lost her virtue was one who had been caught in adultery. She was brought before Jesus for judgment. He proclaimed, however, that those who were without sin should cast the first stone at her. And in John 8 we read, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. That's quite unlike Brigham Young's yeah, just a little bit condemnation, different. isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Uh, uh, Brigham Young said the unvirtuous woman would be damned. But Jesus refused to condemn this woman, and she was caught in the act. I'm glad Brigham Young isn't the judge, and that I will be judged by Jesus. Yeah. In 1861 sermon, Brigham Young spoke concerning women the curse of Eve, and the need for wives to yield to the requirements of plural marriage. Hmm. Our sisters are very tenacious with regard to a man's having more than one wife. Says the wife, Husband, I am capable of making your dinner. I can make your bed. I can attend to your physical wants. You do not need another woman in this house. Do you not know that there is a curse placed upon women? Why so, that she may not become an angel of the devil? It is the order of heaven she should suffer in the flesh. You have a curse upon you that the male portion of the human family have not got. That's balderdash. <laughs> That's rough. <laughs> it's evident that Brigham Young had no regard for females. No. He prophesied against the ladies who wished to destroy the principle of plural marriage. Yeah, a little further on he says, 
Well, ladies, just be reconciled to your condition. And if there is a principle here or elsewhere that wishes to override the principle of celestial marriage, take heed to yourselves. For I can promise you one thing, if you ever had any faith in the gospel and in celestial marriage, and you renounce or disbelieve and deny this doctrine, you will be damned. I promise you that, no matter who it is. Now take heed to yourselves. Now we have to remember that celestial marriage and plural marriage are synonymous. They were interchangeable terms in those early days. There were many code words that were used for polygamy, and celestial marriage was one of them. So he's telling them they have to live it or yeah. be damned. A couple of years later, Brigham Young added this. Yeah, and this is just a couple of years before he died. How many are there in this church who are now wavering and shaking because they have spoken against the ordinances of heaven, and especially against that ordinance which God has revealed for the exaltation of the children of men in celestial marriage? Hold that as sacred as your own soul. If you cannot see the beauty and glory of it, and feel it in your own hearts, say nothing against it. There's no beauty and glory in polygamy. I'm here to, to guarantee you that. All polygamists deserve to know that in error, Brigham Young called polygamy a curse placed upon women. And he gave an ultimatum, live this curse of polygamy or become a demon in service to the devil. According to Brigham Young, polygamy is a curse forced upon women in order to be righteous. You can search the Bible from cover to cover hundreds of times and search all the prophets and prophetic sayings in the Bible and you will not find a single prophet who ever said such nonsense in the name of God as Brigham Young did. God did not curse Eve. He never said that polygamy was God's curse on females and nowhere is there a punishment where humans become angels of the devil. Polygamy is a curse upon women, but it's not from God. It's from the pit of hell. That is fear-mongering, the tactic used in the early Mormon days to bring women to their knees in polygamy. And it's used to this very day in polygamy groups for the same purpose and with the same destructive results. When women of polygamy will be willing to understand that polygamy is nonsense and will stand up for themselves against the false teachings of polygamous men and their use of fear and guilt against them and search the Bible to find the truth, they'll find the truth. And it will set them free from every lie and any lie, including the lie of polygamy. That's why we do this show. We want to bring the message that God wants women everywhere to have their own personal, private, loving, exclusive husband. A husband who will honor and respect her as a complete equal worthy of his faithfulness to her alone. Brigham Young promised eternal godhood for all who made it to the celestial kingdom. We shall go on from one step to another, reaching forth into the eternities until we become like the gods and shall be able to frame for ourselves by the behest and command of the Almighty. All those who are counted worthy to be exalted and to become gods, even the sons of God, will go forth and have earths and worlds like those who framed this and millions on millions of others. Wow. That's quite a thing to look forward to, isn't it? He didn't a hold anything back, did he? 
<laughs> of course, achieving this great exaltation has its price, and Brigham Young taught that no one can achieve this exaltation unless they live polygamy in this life. Another one from Brigham Young. The only men who become gods, even the sons of God, are those who enter into polygamy. So the LDS believe, don't they, that, that Brigham Young is a prophet? I know the yes, polygamists do. number two. For sure. Yeah. He was a prophet. And so you who believe is a prophet, you need to get into polygamy as fast as you can because according to Brigham Young, polygamy is essential. Next, we ask the question, just how much truth about God did Brigham Young know? Well, let's find out. Okay, this is from the Discourse of, Discourses of Brigham Young. Some would have us believe that God is present everywhere. It is not so. He is no more everywhere present in person than the Father and Son are one in person. Well, Brigham Young, Doesn't from this biblical, statement, <laughs> didn't know God. He got it wrong. The Bible and Joseph Smith's revision of the Bible differs with Brigham Young. Second Chronicles quote. says, yes. But will God really dwell on earth with men? The heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain you. Wow, that's a big God, isn't yeah. it? God is everywhere, all the time, at the same time. There is never a time or a place that God isn't there all the time. We have another quote. Second Chronicles again, but who is able to build a temple for him? Since the heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain him. Who then am I to build a temple for him, except as a place to burn sacrifices before him? And in his Bible revision, Joseph Smith never changed these change verses. By the way, a quick off-topic comment here from Second Chronicles 2.6. It's clear that the Old Testament temple was to burn sacrifices, it says so yeah. right there, yeah. which the Mormon temples don't do. So obviously there are not a, they aren't a restoration of biblical temples as they claim. Now, let's look at some very strange, even weird stuff that Brigham Young yeah, taught. These, these are funny. From the <laughs> volume one of Journal of Discourses, listen carefully. Gold and silver grow, and so does every other kind of metal, the same as the hair upon my head or the wheat in the field. They do not grow as fast, but they are <laughs> all the time composing or decomposing. So, if gold and silver are growing like wheat in the field grows, we wonder why people aren't growing gardens and orchards of gold and silver yeah. and marketing like that. That's true. Here's another choice nonprofit quote. This is from volume 13. With regard to the inhabitants of the sun, do you think it is inhabited? inhabited? I rather think it is. Do you think there is any life there? No question of it. It was not made in vain. It was made to give light to those who dwell upon it and to other planets. And so will this earth when it is celestialized. Every planet in its first rude organic state receives not the glory of God upon it, but is opaque. And when celestialized, every planet that God brings into existence is a body of light, but not till then. Now, I remember my mother teaching me this. That there were inhabitants as, on the there sun. there was people living on the sun. And we wonder yeah. if NASA could learn some good information <laughs> from studying uh, about astronomy, from studying Brigham Young uh, in his discourses. The next great teaching from the scientist yeah, Brigham Young. This might all be new to the scientists, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, volume 17. When the earth was framed and brought into existence, 
and man was placed upon it, it was near the throne of our Father in heaven. And when man fell, though that was designed in the economy, there was nothing about it mysterious or unknown to the gods. They understood it all. It was all planned. But when man fell, the earth fell into space and took up its abode in the planetary system, and the sun became our light. So the, the earth fell into space. That's, I guess that's so. very interesting. There, of course, After there's, Adam fell. There's, there's no <laughs> basis for this teaching, either scientifically or no. biblically. Uh, it just seemed like so many of these early Mormons just liked to make things up. They would pull things out of the air, and they spoke, and they spoke as if it were truth, and they did it without apology, and sometimes they challenged the very idea that anyone would challenge them. Yeah. And they still do, even today. But of course, time and science has proved them wrong. Le thus, they are false prophets. Jesus warned us against false prophets. This should cause everyone, uh, and especially polygamists, to doubt what they've been believing is truth. Uh, what else did he get wrong? Did he get polygamy wrong? We think he did. Don't doubt your doubts. Doubt what they say and check it out. The next statement I find extremely shocking, and every Mormon and polygamist should be highly offended of what Brigham Young said next. Yeah, before I read this, think about uh, the idea that the, uh, these people had to travel back across the plains, uh, uh, horses or however they got there, and then had to take these long voyages on boats back to Europe and so on. Read this, or listen to this, and mm -hmm. this was maybe the hope that some of these leaders had. We have at times sent men on missions to get rid of them, but they have generally come back. <laughs> <laughs> Darn it. Some think it is an imposition upon the world to send such men among them, but which is best, to keep them here to pollute others or to send them where pollution is more prevalent? We have tried to turn the filthy ones out of the flock, but they will not always stay out. Isn't that awful? Well, I, I just picture these people send, sending them out, hoping that maybe some disaster will befall them on their way there or back from their mission so that they can or something, have their he, wives he, he or whatever. Yeah, he complained that they kept coming back. <laughs> yeah. so, so he admitted that he sent ungodly, filthy Mormons on missions to get them out of their own communities. Like. Why didn't he excommunicate them if they were that bad? Why did he send them on missions to pollute the rest of the world and, and, and pollute the Mormon message? Wouldn't that do that too? They excommunicate people today for telling historical truths and even for being on this show. But in Brigham Young's day, they just sent them away on missions to pollute the rest of the world. Well, let's test Brigham Young's biblical literacy or illiteracy, as the case may be. Brigham Young admitted he didn't understand or very often read the Bible. From the 1854 Conference Discourse, I think these preliminaries will satisfy me, and I feel prepared to take my text. It is the words of Jesus Christ, but where they are in the Bible I cannot tell you now, for I have not taken pains to look at them. I have had so much to do that I have not read the Bible for many years. I used to read and study it, but did not understand the spirit and meaning of it. Well, I'm concerned. He claims that what he was teaching was the words of Jesus Christ, but he couldn't find them in the Bible. How did he know they were the words of Jesus Christ then? Good point. We find that a lot. A lot of times people say, well, the Bible says when it doesn't, when it doesn't say. say. And one of those I think we would all be familiar with, the Bible says God helps them who helps themselves. The Bible doesn't say that. 
And I hear people say that all the time. How do you know if you're not reading the Bible? False religions and false religious ideas and even dangerous cults today thrive because of biblical illiteracy. We realize that this culture holds the Bible in very low esteem. They ignore it completely or they pick and choose from it much like a buffet table. But we're here to testify that God's word is true forever. It will last forever and it will never change. God promised and he cannot break his promises. Jesus stated that we will all be judged by his word referring to the Bible. And Jesus Christ believed the Bible and he quoted from it frequently. And the Old Testament he quoted from is the same Old Testament that we have today. It's odd that Brigham Young would invite us to test his religion using the Bible that he never read. <laughs> and we quote, <laughs> I say to the whole world, receive the truth no matter who presents it to you. Take up the Bible, compare the religion of the Latter-day Saints with it, and see if it'll stand the test. So there they are, There's inviting the us to criticize anything that's not biblical, and then we get criticized for doing it. But let's make a comparison. Yeah, uh, is it the quote? The Virgin now, Mary. Now okay. Mm -hmm. So this is from uh, Journal of Discourses number one. Now remember from this time forth and forever that Jesus Christ was not begotten by the Holy Ghost. And when the Virgin Mary conceived the child Jesus, the Father had begotten him in his own likeness. He was not begotten by the Holy Ghost. And who is the Father? He is the fa first of the human family. Jesus, our elder brother, was begotten in the flesh by the same character that was in the Garden of Eden. And who is our Father in heaven? Now remember this, uh, remember from this time forth and forever that Jesus Christ was not begotten by the Holy Ghost. Okay, now he, he, he doubles up on that. Remember that that's not what happened. But the Bible teaches in Matthew 1.18 and in Luke 1.35 that Jesus was begotten by the Holy Ghost and Joseph Smith's revision of the Bible did not change those verses. So who got it wrong? You know, somebody. Has. Who got it wrong? Somebody did. Brigham Young challenged us to test what he taught with the Bible and we just did. More comments Brigham Young made proving his biblical illiteracy is regarding which came first, the spiritual or the temporal. The Bible says it was not the spiritual, but the temporal that came first. Yeah, 1 Corinthians 15 says the spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. But Brigham Young, although he admitted he hadn't read the Bible for many years and didn't understand what he read, he taught about things the Bible reveals and he got them wrong every time. We were made first spiritual and afterwards temporal. Our Father in heaven begat all the spirits that ever were or ever will be upon this earth, and they were born spirits in the eternal world. Then the Lord, by his power and wisdom, organized the mortal tabernacle of man. We were made first spiritual and afterwards temporal. And Joseph Smith's revision of the Bible also said the spiritual did not come first. In other words, there is no pre-existence. <laughs> Can you trust your early Mormon leaders who were called prophets, 
who commanded polygamy, and yet they disagreed with God's word, they disagreed with each other, and they often even disagreed with themselves, one time saying this and another time contradicting what they first said. That reveals a false prophet for what he is, and he should not be believed or held in any esteem, and certainly he has no right to force anyone to live polygamy or to call their religion the only true church. <laughs> We're going to take a break now. We're going to open up our telephone lines. Our number is 801-973-8820, 973-TV20. We invite you to share our conversation. If you would like, give us a call. And while we're waiting for the calls to, co to come in, excuse me, we have our message to share. You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at aboutpolygamy.com. We have made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website, www.whatloveisthis.tv. While you are at our website, Make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen. Welcome back to our show. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? and I am your host, Doris Hansen, and with our co-host, Earl Erskine, we've been talking about some of the very odd and off and unbiblical comments that Brigham Young made as a prophet uh, second prophet of the LDS Church. Yeah. He was a prodigious polygamist. He lived polygamy. He taught polygamy. He um, damned those who refused to live polygamy, and he also damned those who even thought bad thoughts about polygamy mm -hmm. in one of those quotes. We, our telephone lines are open. We invite you to call in. If you have questions or comments that you would like to share with us, please call in. 801-973-TV20 uh, is our telephone number. We would like to remind our viewers at this time that this television station may soon be sold, and when the sale becomes final, the present programming will no longer be broadcast from TV20. Uh, we will, of course, provide details that they are made known to us because so much truth has been made available on the Internet about Joseph Smith and about polygamy 
polygamy and the truth of Mormonism's origins, we are fully aware of the power of information that the internet provides. We will not discontinue our shows, but we will simply transition to internet-based programming. We will continue to broadcast a new show each week, making it available on Thursday nights at this time. And we will just explain as time goes on a simple way that you can connect your computer to your television and watch the show as you normally have been doing. And we will keep you updated as information and new information comes to us on this possible transition. And we don't really have anything new right now. We just mm. know that it's still in the works. Uh, we do have some more strange teachings of Brigham Young to help determine if he was a true prophet. We're going to uh, tackle the word of wisdom next. But, you know, there may be people who think, uh, and I know that the Mormon apologists will often say, well, that was his opinion. That was yeah. He wasn't teaching as a prophet. Yeah. But uh, every quote we quoted tonight, he was teaching as a prophet. We have a quote here. Yeah, this is um, uh, that one we just thought of. <laughs> I have never yet preached a sermon and sent it out to the children of men that they may not call Scripture. That's from Journal of Discourses, Volume 13, page 95. And that's what he claimed that claimed his... That everything he said was Scripture. Was Scripture. Yeah. That's right. They were very bold. Mm -hmm. You know, Orson Pratt and the Pratt brothers and Hyde and and Brigham Young, they just had, just seemed so confident and, and bold in all their statements. They didn't have anyone to challenge them, I guess. And, yeah. and to, to come up with some of these things that they've said, it really sp speaks of, of some egotism that... Uh, yeah, it, know, it really strange. does. I have a, a dear friend who, uh, she left the, L the LDS church and she asked me one time if she could help me in preparation for research and I asked her if she would look up some quotes from Heber C. Kimball. Oh dear. And oh my goodness, she was shocked, absolutely <laughs> shocked at some of the things that she found yeah. that Heber C. Kimball said because he was one of those. Yeah, one who, of the apostles. Who just, yeah, who just yeah. said whatever he wanted to say. Yeah. Well, we want to tackle the word of wisdom next. We do have a, a caller calling in. Uh, first of all, we'll take his call and then if we can we'll tackle the word of okay. wisdom if not we might have to make another <laughs> show where we can do that but we have John calling from Salt Lake City hello John hello hi you're on the air John okay I have been in Salt Lake City all of my life 80 years old and I completely agree with Doris I have never heard of such rubbish as the LDS Church teaches I think they're more of a cult than a religion. Thank you. Well, <laughs> thank you, John. Appreciate your call. Okay, so 80 years old. He's yeah. he's heard a lot then. Yeah, a few and years ago, that would have offended me terribly. I'm sure and it now would. now my eyes have opened, and I, I just uh, I think people really need to evaluate where they're what they, they and what they believe. And that's right. They need to investigate. Yeah. You mentioned something before the show started that. Uh, when when someone is is first approached by a missionary yeah. that uh, they are an investigator well I was interviewing someone for my show that airs tomorrow night uh -huh. and uh, it's not this person but uh, for a future uh, show but he just said you know I I should have maintained the title that they gave me when I first started looking into the church and that was the title of investigator mm-hmm I should have continued investigating. Once I joined the church, I just became complacent. I just believed everything that everybody told me. And, and I stopped just investigating. Stopped thinking. Yeah. Uh, the thinking and, has been done and for that's me. What, yeah. And that's what we want our, that's all we want our viewers to do is investigate. Yeah. In, don't investigate what the church teaches. Look at the other side of the issue. 
yeah. you know, just like a courtroom drama. Every side of the issue needs to come in so that you can properly discover and determine what is well, the truth. Well, personalizing this even more, I, or a little bit more, but I've interviewed a number of folks who are like detectives and police people mm -hmm. and, and analysts and so on. And that's, they, they said they started using those same skills that they use in their professions to evaluate church doctrine and church information. Mm -hmm. And they realized that if they were to present this information in a court, uh, supporting the church, that they, it wouldn't hold up. It wouldn't hold up at no, all. The, the facts are just, you know, or the or, or on the other side, that the facts are so obvious mm -hmm. that it would uh, mm -hmm. show the church to be. And and that and of the course, same thing with polygamy. That's just what I was going to say. Yeah. That holds true, and probably even, even more, more so, so with the polygamists because their doctrine the, is so way out there. The burden of, of polygamy is right. Yeah. Okay, we have on line two calling Robert from Evanston. Hello, Robert. Hello, Robert. Oh. Are you there? Nope, I guess he's not. not there. <laughs> well, let's get moving on with the Word of Wisdom. It's always a great topic. It's so easily disproved, <laughs> the Word of Wisdom is. And there's much about it that, of course, could not be called wisdom. For instance, both tea and coffee are known to have several health benefits for us. Brigham Young made the following statements concerning the conditions that led to the giving of the Word of Wisdom by Joseph Smith. I think I am as well acquainted with the circumstances which led to the giving of the Word of Wisdom as any man in the church, although I was not present at the time to witness them. The first school of the prophets was held in a small room situated over the prophet Joseph's kitchen. When they assembled together in this room after breakfast, the first thing they did was to light their pipes and while smoking talk about great things of the kingdom and spit all over the room. And as soon as the pipe was out of their mouths, a large chew of tobacco would then be taken. Often when the prophet entered the room to give the school instructions, he would find himself in a cloud of tobacco smoke. This and the complaints of his wife at having to clean so filthy a floor made the prophet think upon the matter and he inquired of the Lord relating to the conduct of the elders in using tobacco. And the revelation known as the word of wisdom was a result of his inquiry. Okay. Well, we can see that the, the word of wisdom didn't come from God. It came because of circumstances yeah. that took place at this time. Besides that, Joseph Smith was seen smoking cigars and drinking alcoholic beverages after he gave the Word of Wisdom instructions. Later, Brigham Young proceeds to give instructions on how they should chew tobacco. And we quote, <laughs> Yeah, many of the brethren chew tobacco, and I have advised them to be modest about it. Do not take out a whole plug of tobacco in meeting before the eyes of the congregation and cut off a long slice and put it in your mouth to the annoyance of every, everybody around. Do not glory in this disgraceful practice. If you must use tobacco, put a small portion in your mouth when no person sees you, and be careful that no one sees you chew it. I do not charge you with sin. You have the word of wisdom. Read it. Okay. <laughs> and so. that's probably their argument. Anybody, I don't know about the polygamists, but certainly uh, mainstream Mormons would say, well, this was a word of wisdom. Now, they've since made that part of the temple requirements and so on. Well, but, you know, yeah. The, is they, that true in polygamy? The, of course, not all polygamists have access to a temple. Yeah, uh, some true. do, some don't, most don't. But uh, the, the polygamists do, most of them, 
hang on to the word of wisdom no with coffee, word. tea, and drinking, yeah. uh, but some and smoking. Yeah. Uh, but there are some who who will allow them to drink coffee oh. and beer. They, as far as I know, I think the FLDS will let them drink beer. Wow. Well, Brigham Young also weighed in in partaking of tea, coffee, tobacco, and whiskey. Yeah. This is tricky. I'll have to listen to this one. <laughs> you know that we all profess to believe the word of wisdom. There has been a great deal said about it, more in former than in latter years. We as Latter-day Saints care but little about tobacco, but as Mormons we use a great deal. The traders and passing immigration have sold tons of tobacco besides what is sold here regularly. I say that 60000 annually is the smallest figure I can estimate the sales at. Tobacco can be raised here as well as it can be raised in any other place. If we use it, let us raise it here. I recommend for some man to go to raising tobacco. I want to see some man go to and make a business of raising tobacco and stop sending money out of the territory for that article. Some of the brethren are very strenuous upon the word of wisdom and would like, like to have me preach upon it and urge it upon the brethren and make a test of fellowship. I do not think that I shall do so. I have never done so. We annually expend only $60,000 to, to break the word of wisdom, and we can save the money and still break it if we will break it. <laughs> <laughs> no, the odd thing is, it's either true or it isn't. Yeah. You know, you either do it or you don't. There, there's no flopping back and forth with God. And, no. and if it, the word of wisdom was from God, there, there would be no way that he would allow breaking it uh, to the extent that Brigham Young is talking about. Uh, Robert is back from Evanston, but we do have a caller comment. Uh, and it says, the Bible says that the glory of a woman is her hair. Joseph Smith did not change this verse. Um, and then that's, of course, is in 1 Corinthians. And, and I think they're referring to the, the passage where, where Brigham Young said the glory of the man is the woman. Yeah. Or the glory of the woman is a man, whatever, however it was he said it. Um, so again, he didn't know the Bible. He didn't read. No. He he he. And we're not accusing him of that. He, he admitted it, yeah, that and, himself. Hadn't read it for many years. He said. Yeah. Line three, we have Robert from Evanston. Hello, Robert. Hello. I want to see Hello, Hi, Robert. Yeah, you're on the air, Robert. Do you have a question or a comment? Oh uh, yes, I do. Uh, the question I have is, how is uh, polygamy a part of Masonic uh, secret combinations. How is polygamy part of the secret combinations? Yes. I don't know that it is. I haven't heard that. Uh, I haven't heard that uh, comparison before. Um, I uh, was uh, in town. I looked it up on the computer, and uh, it's part of that uh, uh, secret combinations on that uh, polygamy. Hmm. There's a book that's out, it's called the uh, Utah Lighthouse Ministry, and uh, it talks about those uh, logos and all that stuff, and then it goes on down for polygamy as a part of the Masonic uh, secret combinations. Well, poly <clears throat> excuse me, uh, polygamy, uh, all of the temple rituals that came from the Masons, uh, began because of polygamy, and maybe that's what they're referring to. If it wasn't for polygamy, you wouldn't have the temple rituals that you have today. You wouldn't have the endowments. You wouldn't have any of that because that all started because of polygamy. The ceilings and, and uh, even the Relief Society, uh, all of those things started because they wanted to hide polygamy. They wanted to hide it behind other things. So that's probably what they're referring to. I haven't read that article myself, so I'd have to double-check that to 
to see if what I'm saying is well, and I accurate. Think some of the concepts in a secret combination are being able to lie for each other, mm -hmm, cover for true. each other, and, and the code words they and, used code yeah, words. and so and some of those you've discussed I'll many times here in polygamy, right? Mm -hmm. Find that mm -hmm. is uh, looking to compete on the Joseph Jr. repeated of uh, polygamy, and uh, you go down about halfway down. And you come across several questions. Well, this one other article, that's different, back in 1841 through 1854, Will Richards is the one that changed that first vision of the church history. And that's how it got changed. So Will Richards uh, learned Hiram Smith and altered Joseph Smith's history. There's another one for you. Well, um... I think we're getting kind of off topic here. Um, That's a different one. I just yeah. The first the first vision the first vision uh, wasn't even talked about until years after Joseph Smith claimed he had it. And there's nine versions of the first vision. Well, that's enough of them. Yeah, that's that's enough for sure. Yeah, and 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 that yet we're told that the the Mormon Church stands or falls on his first vision account, which yeah. of course is not true. Well, thank you for your phone call. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks, Robert. Uh huh. Bye. Okay. Talk to you later. Have a nice evening to you. Thank you. Thanks for Bye. calling. Bye. Okay. Bye. Interesting. Secret combinations. Of course, there's a lot of secret combinations and, and secrets and, and uh, all the polygamy is, is was nothing but a great big secret then and now. Yeah. You know, it's starting hiding hiding your family name, who your father is. Mm -hmm. Don't talk to other people. Yeah. And I'm sure covering for. Yeah. Covering for each other. That's Covering true. Other. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Um, our phone lines are open. Um, 801-973-8820. We're getting closer to the end of the show. So if you have something to say, call now. Don't <laughs> wait. Or we, you may not be able to get in. We're talking about the word of wisdom and how Brigham Young actually didn't hold, seem to hold that in any esteem at all. No. Um, we, of course, um, find the, a lot of the people from both uh, polygamy groups as well as the mainstream church who look at smoking and drinking coffee as almost the unforgivable sin. Mm -hmm. you know. And, and we agree that some habits are or like smoking is bad for you, but the Bible doesn't have laws against it. Uh, he, it doesn't have laws against tea and coffee and even alcoholic beverages. Brigham Young obviously didn't support the word of wisdom either, but in his creed of the almighty dollar, <laughs> he wanted in on the profit that tobacco and, and whiskey and others brought. Yeah, and we read that just a few minutes ago about the $60,000. It had nothing to do with spiritual at all. It exactly. Was, it was the dollar. And so here in volume 11 of Journal of Discourses, it says, it is true that we do not raise our own tobacco. We might raise it if we would. We do not raise our tea, but we might raise it if we would. For tea raising, this is as good a country as China, and the coffee bean can be raised a short distance south of us. We can sustain ourselves, and as for such so-called luxuries as tea, coffee, tobacco, and whiskey, we can produce them or do without them. <laughs> <laughs> so he did not hold the word of wisdom in much esteem, and he did have his own, uh, his own 
um, distillery, distillery yeah. and uh, and so we know that he partook of that as well. There is a lot more we could talk about Word of Wisdom. We have some calls coming in, but you know what? I want to get what God has to say about it. So we're going to skip some of these things, and we're going to go down to Romans 14, verse 17, to see what the Bible has to say about what we eat and drink. What goes in and what comes in. Right, Romans For the Romans 14, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So then that set me free, because I drink coffee, I love coffee, and that set me free. After I started studying on you, this, I you've thought... You've been burdened with I, Well, I thought it was a stupid rule, but I yeah. still believed that, that, because I didn't know any different. But right. the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. 1 Corinthians 8, 8 says, but food does not bring us near to God. We are not no worse if we do not eat, and no better if we do. It doesn't matter. I know. It makes no difference. And, Colossians. And in Colossians 2, it says, Therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. It was. Uh, don't let anyone judge you. If you want to drink coffee, drink it. Don't let anyone judge you or tea or whatever, because the reality is in Christ, that was only a shadow of the good things coming. Okay, we have on line one, Lee calling from Ogden. Hello, Lee. Hello, Doris. How are you? Fine, thank you. You're on the air. We only have a minute, so can you be oh, quick? Okay, yes. I was just calling to say you, you were talking about the coffee and the beer and the tea and all these things, and I have one of uh, Brigham Young's beer steins, you know, he had a whole bunch of them made with the emblem of the beehive state, and his picture is on it and everything. And later after he died, they were all ordered to be destroyed, but of course they didn't all. And like I said, I have one. And also on, on the coffee, you know, I had heard uh, talking about uh, twice Emma tried to poison Joseph Smith by putting coffee. poison in his coffee. That's true. But he drank coffee. What was he doing drinking he coffee? He drank beer. <laughs> and I had these missionaries that come all the time to my door, and I'd bring them in, and I'd show them the beer stein. And they're just, you know, baffled by it. And so they go talk to their bishops and all that. And then when I see them again, they say, oh, you know, our bishop told us that it wasn't real beer with alcohol. It was oh, like real beer. Of course they would say that. <laughs> Are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah. Are you kidding? Oh, what a joke. Oh. But, you know, I, I, well, you know what, what can you do? So, <laughs> Just tell the truth. God bless That's you guys. I do. love watching you and Earl. Thank you. And you, you guys take care and God bless. Thank Thanks, you Lee. very much. Okay. Bye. That's very interesting. That's funny. And, you know, we, we've only got about a minute left here before we have to close. So we don't have time to read any of these other quotes. But if you're taking notes, make the note of Mark chapter 7, verses 13 through 20. That's where Jesus proclaimed everything clean. And you know what? You can eat and you can drink because he said it's a matter of the heart. Not what you take in, but what comes out of your heart that profanes a person. Yeah. So that's Mark chapter 7, verses 13 through 20. Um, 
and I don't know what that did to you and you when you first you know left and well I still haven't done the deeds of, of the word of wisdom I'm still obeying it not because I'm obeying it for anything any other reason I just it's just that been a lifestyle habit 60, now. 68 years without it so yeah. uh, it's been fine and I uh, I want to toast one of my one of my sons joined this join the Christian movement here and oh. leave Mormonism. <laughs> but I'd also like to encourage people to read Acts 10, where, Acts where chapter Peter, 10. That's Peter good is too. given the vision yeah. of being able to eat, that nothing is unclean, and it's not okay. what goes in the mouth. It's what comes yeah. out. Yeah. Thank you very much. You know, you we've presented solid evidence tonight and other nights that neither Joseph Smith nor Brigham Young was a true prophet of God. They both claimed the Mormon church was the only true church, despite the fact that they were in disagreement with each other and with God's word. And through the decades, so many changes have taken place in this only true church. If they were the only true church from the beginning of their church and have made so many changes since its beginning, it only proves that they were not a true church in the beginning. Today, the polygamists and the LDS claim to be exclusively the only true church, but since what they said in the beginning has been changed, then how can we trust that what they say today is true? If it was true then, it's true now, or it really wasn't true then. Do you see the confusion? God doesn't work that way. His truth remains constant through all generations. He never changes. His requirements never change. Polygamists do not have to live polygamy to go to heaven. God never required it then, and He doesn't require it now. All God does require is that we look to Jesus Christ who paid the penalty for our sin. If we try to earn for ourselves what Jesus already did for us, we lose what Jesus did for us. In fact, if we don't receive what Jesus has done, we will lose everything. But if we lose everything for Jesus Christ, then we will gain everything. Fully trusting Jesus and forgetting everything else and forgetting everyone else is the only way to eternal life. It's Jesus alone and Jesus only. It's by grace through faith and not by any works or by or through any church. So throw it all out. Don't trust your church and don't trust polygamy. Just trust Jesus. Good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.